KG, and this is not safe for networks. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How's it going, Brandon? Just wonderful. <laughs> Brandon worked 12 hours today, so. Yeah. I'm enjoying my beer and going to do some podcasting. Yeah, I was really looking forward to my day off and uh, I was going to cook this pot roast and have it like kind of simmer all day. And then I realized my sink was fucked up just out of nowhere this morning. It clogged up and I had to take everything, like all the pipes out that I could didn't help wound up buying some drain cleaner that finally cleared it, which I'm amazed because a drain cleaner has never, ever worked. Every time I've ever gone to use it, it never worked, but this time it worked. So, you know, usually like the liquid stuff doesn't work for me, but if you get like the foaming shit, yeah. That stuff like works real well. Yeah, I gotta I gotta go to the foaming stuff next time. But I was mostly just concerned with getting something that wouldn't melt plastic pipes, which is a bunch of my pipes are plastic. So you could tell it's a real high quality studio here. Yeah. <laughs> plastic yeah, you go with pipes. the uh the liquid snake, I think is what it's called. That stuff like because what happens is like stuff will grow like around Kind of like a clogged artery. Yeah. And then... All that black shit that just gets thicker and thicker. Yeah. Yeah, I saw lots of that. And then... <laughs> but that stuff will just, like, eat that stuff away. Nice. Well, fortunately, it worked, so... And half a bottle worked, but then I wound up doing the other half just because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this again in two months. <laughs> so, I used a little bit more after that just to make sure. But... I am, I am like hemming and hawing because we have believable badass or bullshit to talk about with the Oscars. Doesn't it feel like it was a lifetime ago? Like it was. Yeah, it seems like a long time ago. It was four days ago, but it feels like it was a long time ago. So uh, let me just say out on top. So all together, I didn't do all my predictions on the podcast. So you'll just have to believe me, but I wound up doing one because my buddy Eli, like, threw me a thing that said like for movie pass if you're one of the top three for uh prediction like correct predictions that you could get movie pass for life so i was like all right that's that's worth looking into the eight categories we didn't tackle so i wound up going 20 for 24 which was 83 percent. but on the show which is what we're really going to be held to account for here i was 75 percent. i got 12 out of 16 you guessed on 13, you got 7 out of 13, right? So you're 54%. So we're winning? <laughs> hey, in Trump's America, that's winning. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's like, well, winning in Trump's America is 38%, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we're well above the curve. Yeah, way above the curve. But uh, let's let's go through this. Category by category for people who haven't known, I don't think we've done this for about a year, but believable, badass, or bullshit. We just 
look at every category and we just say whether it's believable to us, badass or bullshit. Like this is just completely opinion. And, uh, but I would like to thank truth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, last year we did our, or last week we did our picks. This is what we're going to do. Um, so the first one, visual effects, uh, I picked War of the Planet of the Apes. You picked Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It was Blade Runner 2049. Where do you fall on this one? Uh, I'm going to go believable on that one because that was just kind of a crapshoot. Like, it's hard to see where they were really going with, like, what they were awarding for. I think they were trying to, like, award that franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know when we were, I think one of the episodes, I don't think I was on it, but I listened to when, uh, oh, who was it was on the cinematographer was talking about Roger Deakins. No, the, the guest host we had. Oh, uh, he's a cinematographer. Oh, oh, uh, Alex Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was talking about that one and had some major issues cinematography, so I was kind of surprised with that. Well, th- but this was visual effects. This is right. not cinematography. We'll get back to that because that's that's coming up for sure. But I'm I'm gonna say bullshit on this one. I've I've heard from some people the effects were good, but um, I just can't believe that War of the Planet of the Apes didn't. What they did with those apes is like so incredible. And I just like even the last one went back and watched that not too long ago. And it's just like it is somewhat unbelievable to me still, like how well that holds up and like how they feel like actual characters, which is so fucking hard to do with CGI. Like it can fool you once, but it's really hard to fool you again for a whole franchise. Yeah, and it's just they did such a great job, and Andy Serkis just fucking kills it with that. That I just I can't believe that that didn't win. So I'm going bullshit on that one. Uh, film editing. So <laughs> I picked Dunkirk. You picked Baby Driver. Dunkirk wound up winning. Where are we going on that? Um. I'm going to go believable on that. Believable? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to... I actually have badass written down because for... Like, Dunkirk, like, I was... I liked it. I wasn't, like, huge on it. But I really did feel like the editing was really good in that movie. Um, So, that that was right. Like, that was not only what I thought would win, but I thought what should have won. So, I got to go badass on that. Uh, Music original score... I picked The Shape of Water. Uh, you declined picking anything on this one. Uh, it wound up being The Shape of Water. So I'm going to say badass. I really did like the score on that. I thought it did a really good job in the movie. Yeah. I'm going to say believable just because, I mean, The Shape of Water really swept up. Yeah, that seemed to be the the darling of the Oscars this year, all yeah. in all. There there was some other stuff that we'll get into as, as we go along. but Okay, original song. Uh, we both picked Remember Me from Coco. That wound up winning. I'm saying badass. Like, I like the song. Badass and, yeah. And listening to all the songs without lyrics, it was clearly the winner. <laughs> 
I, uh, I re-edited that like it on the recording. It even sounded like, uh, like there was no lyrics when we did it last week. So I had to go back through and fix it. Yeah. I, uh, it's something was messed up. I had something wrong with my mixer. So when I was, uh, watching the Oscars, cause they did live performances of all the nominations in that. And I felt a lot better about, uh, Coco winning. Did you watch the Oscars this year? I did. So I kind of watched it. I think I watched everything but the musical performances because as each segment ended, they put it up on YouTube. Like I tried to like find a way to stream it and I found out there is no way to stream it here. There's just no way unless you're paying for cable. Like you Did you try Facebook Live? I I did. I couldn't I couldn't find it there either. Like they just had a block on everywhere but like the biggest cities. So um, unless there was a Facebook live feed, I didn't see, I'm sure maybe there was one that was sketchy that had it up, but <laughs> cause I know I watched like, uh, the last thing I watched on Facebook live was the, uh, Pacquiao fight. Yeah. <laughs> that was not legal. <laughs> no, not even a little bit legal. <laughs> yeah. But I, like, I really liked it. Like, uh, I, I managed to, so basically I was like going through YouTube and just refreshing and like, I mean, it's not the best way to watch it, but it was still, I caught everything. Some of it was somewhat out of order, but it was like, whatever. I'm pretty sure I saw the whole thing, except for the musical performances. And I'm going to get like, because I couldn't find the musical performances um, on the night, I'm guessing that was some sort of rights issue Probably. with the song. So. Uh, so next is cinematography. Um, I picked Dan Lauston for The Shape of Water. Uh, you picked nobody. You mm-hmm. you abstained from this one. So it wound up being Blade Runner 2049 for Roger Deakins. Um, I'm actually going to say badass on this one because Roger Deakins, as I said last week, is the Susan Lucci of the, of the Cinematography Award in the Oscars. He should have won it so many years, and he's done such a great job. And just there's so many iconic movies that he's done, not to mention like all the Coen Brothers movies. Like for that alone, he should have picked up a couple Oscars. So I'm glad he wound up winning for this. I know Alex said that there was issues with it. I didn't see it. I'm just happy to see Roger Deakins get an award, but that's probably part of what's wrong with the Oscars, right? Like the makeup Oscars, yeah, which does drive me crazy. But just because I haven't seen it, I'm going to say badass because I'm glad he's finally walking away with some hardware. Uh, how about you? I'm gonna call bullshit. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna stick with Alex Wolf on this one. All right, <laughs> sticking with Alex makes sense. Uh, sound editing. I picked Dunkirk. You picked Dunkirk, and the winner was Dunkirk. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say badass. I'm like, gonna say badass because that's definitely where it should have been. Yeah, it's the third time I'm saying it on the podcast in three different episodes, but. There is a scene in this movie where they they just like I don't know. No, no you know what? I'm not going to get into it. Basically like they they made their machine gun noises, they worked. It it deserved its Oscar. So uh sound mixing, Baby Driver, I picked it, you picked it. It was Dunkirk. I'm saying bullshit. I'm going to say bullshit I, on this one. Like, like I feel stronger about this than anything and it was the only one that I said 
last week that like I said, this was the one I was the most sure of, of any category. I cannot believe that Dunkirk won for this one. I really think that they were just mailing it in and they're like, we're going to give these technical awards to Dunkirk. I don't think the people who voted for it were paying very much attention. God, because that, I mean, Baby Driver had so much going for it in this Oscar. It should have been Baby Driver. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like a music video. The It was it, so well was, put together. It was better than a music video. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the, the level that they choreographed everything to it was so beyond anything I've seen in a music video. Yeah. It's just, it's a fucking travesty. They took the best thing about that movie and I mean... They they nominated it, but it's not always an honor just to be nominated. Like sometimes you need to win. Uh, original screenplay we both picked Jordan Peele for Get Out. Get Out won that. Now I will say that was seemed to be one of the big stories coming out of the Oscars. So I was happy it at least got buzz for like. I don't think it was enough to just win that award. I really don't, which we'll get into more when it comes up. But this was the most deserved out of all of those Oscars, like this is badass. Yeah. I'm going to say badass. Like I would have said badass on either that or the, uh, big sick. I would have said, yeah, I mean, I really like the big sick, but I feel like get out was so much farther above it. Um, but that's not the takeaway from the big sick. Like I think in another year, it totally should have won, but Dude, Get Out was so fucking clever. And having watched it a third time, I'm just like way more rooted in that opinion too. I've seen The Big Sick twice. Had to watch it again for Real Roulette, which was not a chore. It was <laughs> actually very enjoyable. But uh, yeah, and that, by the way, uh, Kumail Nunanji, dude, like kind of one of the stars coming out of the Oscars. Like he kind of knocked it out of the park. Like all his jokes landed. So, and I think it helped that there was all the stuff about the dreamers going on in the Oscars. I feel like if there was a narrative, there's often a narrative going out of the Oscars. And I feel like the dreamers was a narrative coming out of this one. Like that's the one that more than anything, I think sort of, I would disagree. I would say me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too is pretty big. I think the dreamers is a little bit bigger, but we'll get into that as we go category by category. Uh, <clears throat> adopted screenplay. I picked James Avery. Call me by or Ivory. Call me by your name. You picked it. It won. Um, that dude was fucking old. Did you see him like take <laughs> <Yeah>. his Oscar? <coughs> he looked like he was gonna break his hip on the way up the stage. I was like, don't pull Jennifer Lawrence. Don't pull Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Ooh, that would have been bad. They'd have to pull in an ambulance. <laughs> and Streep was in the front row, so that was dangerous, dude. I heard stories about that. You caught that, right? No? No. Okay, so um, when they were presenting an Oscar, they had uh, um, Jodie Foster and Jennifer Lawrence were presenting. I don't remember. I, maybe it was Best Director? I can't remember. They they were presenting an, one of the, the bigger Oscars. And uh, Jodie Foster came out on crutches. And Jennifer Lawrence is like, what happened there? And she goes, oh. Streep. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. She's like, she's not as nice as she looks. And then like <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence is like, yeah, she tripped me on my way up the stage last time. <laughs> and I was like, that's so great. 
she seems so nice. Yeah, it's acting. She's really good at it. <laughs> it's really clever. Anyway, uh, so original or wait, sorry, adapted screenplay. So I'm gonna say badass on this one. Um, there was a couple of really good choices in there. I thought the disaster artist was really good. I thought Logan was really good. I didn't see Molly's Gamer Mudbound, so I can't comment. But I would have been, I would have thought badass for any of those three. So yeah, so I'm gonna say badass with you on that one. Okay, animated feature. I pick Coco. You pick Coco. Winner was Coco. I'm gonna say badass. Was, yeah, badass. I don't know what I was going. With. <laughs> okay. All right. Director Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. I picked it. You picked Paul Thomas Anderson for The Phantom Thread. It was Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. So um, I'm gonna say believable on this one. Um, like I said before, all of these directors so deserving. I just do want to get that out out of the way. I'm not. I would not say bullshit for any of them because they're all so good and they do such a good job on the movie. But Guillermo del Toro just sort of nailed it in every phase. And like Jordan Peele was like right up there, where I also would have given him a, a badass with Guillermo del Toro. But I feel like Guillermo del Toro's movie was like in all the other ways that the the way i look at best director now is like every phase of it is as excellent as could be and i think like guillermo del toro was like excellent in every phase if that makes sense so i i think he was very deserving of this oscar Uh, i just think get out way exceeded in like the screenplay and the acting um yeah, and, and just like the subject matter, I guess. But like it, it's it's believable. I'll go believable actually. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go a step down for badass. I'm gonna go believable. I just talked myself out of it when I started talking about get up. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with you. Unbelievable. He, he was the one that was gonna win, but yeah, the more I talk about, it, the more I want Jordan Peele to win. Who, by the way, uh, only the third first time director to be up for um screenplay directing and best picture since and, like the 20s because he's he's not the first one to do it no he's the third yeah but he's the only one to get an oscar out of all of them which is a hell of an accomplishment when you really break it down like that that is and i'm not saying like he should walk like that there wasn't a travesty done to get out. But like, I I do think that is a hell of an achievement to walk away with an Oscar. Like, I didn't know that that was the case. Like no first time director has got an Oscar when they were nominated for those. And three. he's the youngest out, out of the, the three. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Uh, Oh, so how, how do you, where are you going on this? Believable, badass bullshit on which, uh, director? Uh, believable. Okay. Uh, supporting actress, Allison Janney for I, Tanya. I picked it. You picked it. She won. The, the actor yeah. things we nailed across the board. Like, w- we were correct in all of them. Uh, yeah, I'm going badass as well. I would have also gone badass for Laurie Metcalf. But, dude, Allison Janney is just so... You have to watch. I, like, seriously, when it comes out on, on uh, video, like, fucking check it out. It's fucking hilarious like her role in it is so funny she's so awful and so funny 
it's just it's great and she's got a parrot that she mentioned in the award so uh supporting actor uh i picked sam rockwell sam rockwell won uh you sustained from picking because you thought it'd be Sam Rockwell and then you were looking at the blowback and you just had no idea where to go on it. So um, I am going to say believable because Sam Rockwell is always good and like I'm happy that he got an award, but there is the whole thing of like that character arc. It does disturb me a bit that like that's the one that won but i also think that woody harrelson was better than him in the same movie and there's that too that's not a knock on sam rockwell that's why i didn't go bullshit you know <laughs> but i i think it's i think it's believable i'll go believable on that all right uh lead actress francis mcdermott won uh i picked her you picked her uh badass yeah, I'm going to go bullshit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh I don't think that she was particularly great in this movie and I know and I I know why she got picked. Like and I picked her and everything, but I just I don't I don't know, like it wasn't that different from a lot of roles that she's played before and I think a lot of people wanted to see her on stage, which she fucking knocked her speech out of the park. Yeah. Like it was a really good speech. She she talked about, you know, inclusion and getting more women writers and, you know, she she had all the women stand up that were in the room and stuff. Like it was a great speech. So it was a great moment and I'm really glad that moment happened. That being said, dude, I thought Sally Hawkins was way better than her. Um, I thought that uh, Saoirse Ronan from Lady Bird should have won it. Like, she was really, really good. And uh, I I just, I, I walked out of that thinking like, oh my God, she's going to win hardware. And then to just realize it every step of the way, no, it's going to be Frances McDermott. It's just been souring me like more and more. Nothing against her, dude. It's just like I don't think she did anything particularly hard. Like I kind of look at a lot of actors and like, did they do something? Were they really acting or were they just sort of like doing the same roles that they do all the time that we love them for? And it was that was one of her roles. She's very much known for sort of being like the surly character, you know? Um, who doesn't take any shit. So I just yeah. didn't see any actress wings being spread on that. Now, see, the hard part about that is I was actually earlier this week, uh, somebody put up this video on Facebook and it was an interview at the, in, in the, on the BBC about the, the actual person that was Francis was uh, portraying in that film. And she did a fucking great job. You mean like playing the person? Yeah. But I feel like they found the act, like they got Frances McDermott probably because that person was so much like her, like a lot of roles she did. She didn't do anything in this role that she hasn't done like five or six times already. Does that make sense? Like as much as I despise Meryl Streep being like, just handed a nomination every single year without fail. She actually like does things like she does a lot of different, like um, that Osage orange County or whatever the fuck that movie was. 
Like I, I was like irritated she was nominated. And then I watched and I was like, Jesus, she was really good. Like she played this really hard up drug addict and like very manipulative. And I'd never seen her really do a role like that before. Um, I just like, it, it just sort of felt like more of the same, if that makes sense. It's not that she wasn't a good actress. It's just like, I didn't feel her. It, it didn't seem like she was being challenged in the role, if that makes sense. I want a little challenge for my actors. <laughs> um, Jeez. Anyway, so lead actor, uh, I picked Gary Oldman. You picked Daniel Day-Lewis for The Phantom Thread. It was Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit. Like, yeah, he looked like Winston Churchill. It's something I've seen a hundred actors do already. Yeah. Like it's, it's not, once again, it's nothing against his performance, but it's based to me. It was basically an impression and a uh, Daniel day Lewis, like created this whole character out of scratch that had a lot of nuance and was like, definitely had a point of view and it was really interesting. And he also wrote the character too. So there was like that added thing to it, but it was just like, it was amazing to me seeing him like create this character and then, like, when I compare it to Gary Oldman's performance, it's just like, you're doing something that's been done so many times already. That's another one of those things where yeah. I'm just like, you're not stretching a wing. So I'm calling bullshit on this one. I'm going to call bullshit, too. All right. Best picture. I pick Get Out. You pick Get Out. It was The Shape of Water. I'm calling bullshit. And I love The Shape of Water. <laughs> so don't get me wrong. But it was fucking Get Out. I would have also accepted Lady Bird. And gone with believable. Here's here's where I break down on this. I would have said believable for Ladybird, uh, badass for Get Out, and bullshit for everything else. As much <laughs> as I like all the, and I do like all the movies that were up, except for Three Billboards. Didn't really like that one, but uh, that one aside, I yeah, yeah, it's Bull- bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. It it should have been Get Out tonight. And I, I really do think this is going to be one of those ones that, like, maybe they don't talk about as much right now. Five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. People are going to remember Get Out. They're not going to fucking remember these other movies. Maybe Lady Bird. There's a chance for Lady Bird. Nobody's going to fucking remember anything but Get Out, though, for, like, uh, the other ones, for sure. Like, I just, I, I can't imagine the shape of water is remembered way down the line. Nothing against it. It's just, you know, maybe it was a movie of this year, but it's it's not the best picture. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, some other random Oscar stuff. We forgot to talk about the hammer. Yeah. We usually pick the hammer every year. So, um. Yeah, did you... St- the fucking uh so do you know do you remember who got the hammer jerry lewis yeah jerry lewis how do you feel on that like believable badass or bullshit bullshit i want to yell bullshit it's believable though because i i listened to a lot of things when he died from like older people having perspective that we just can't have because we didn't live like you know in the the 40s and 50s and uh, he was, like, the top comedian for, like, 15, 20 years. And then, like, the Jerry Lewis telethon was such a huge thing year after year. 
<coughs> that I'm going to say believable in it, but I would have gone Roger Moore. I know people are talking about Adam mm. West, but like, well, Adam West was got because he, he was, got snubbed, right? He got snubbed, right? But like, I and as much as I love Adam West, is he really going to be in an Oscar like memoriam? He was an actor in movies, so yeah, but nothing. I mean, they like, have like <laughs> stagehands that fucking died up there, <laughs> right? Like, but stagehand, but but. And he but was a leading who, actor in movies, so I mean... I mean, he was a leading actor in, like, a movie. Is there any other movies? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my point, though. But Roger Moore. Roger Moore should have gotten the hammer, dude. I mean, I would be badass with that. Yeah. But I, I still think they should have included Adam West, is all I'm saying. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, it would have been nice, but I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked. That's all that I'm I mean, trying to say. I mean, L.A. had a fucking big, huge, like, ceremony when it, after he died. Like, Yeah, but it's... Okay, if, it, if this was, like, the Emmys, you absolutely have to have Adam West in there. But I just, like, he was the lead in one movie ever, which was based off of a TV show. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm just saying I'm not shocked. I would have been totally happy having him in there, but I I, I didn't I, I think I didn't it's totally think of snub. it as a snub until I read somebody saying there, and then I was like, uh, I don't know. It would have been nice, but yeah. I'm anyway. gonna call bullshit. He wasn't in. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I'm saying believable. He wasn't in, but I, I would have loved it if he was in. Uh, Jerry Lewis, so we're both both not happy about it. I'm saying believable, but I'm not thrilled about it. You're saying bullshit? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, so Frances McDermott, did you hear her Oscar was stolen after the, the show? No. Yeah, so um she was she put it down on a table and went to talk to somebody, and then this guy like grabbed her Oscar, fucking took pictures, sent them to his friends on Facebook. Okay, I get that. Then he fucking tries to leave, like run out of the ceremony with it. And uh, he got stopped by security. And I guess she cried a little bit when she realized her Oscar was gone. And then it wound up getting returned to her that night. So it was only gone from her possession for about 45 minutes. But yeah, so that dude fucking, how do you like post shit on Facebook and then expect to get away with it? (laughs) Like, they definitely have a list of everybody who is there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's got to be one of those things, like, the people that were in that freaking auditorium, they know who was fucking there, so... Yeah, you're not just walking in there. Like, not at all. You have to be on a list to walk in there, I'm sure. So, like, if you're going to steal the Oscar, put it under your jacket and fucking steal it. Don't, like... (laughs) Don't put yourself on Facebook or put yourself on Facebook with it and then just leave it at the table and walk away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that move I even get because that's funny. And are they really going to arrest you for that? Probably not. But if you walk away with that Oscar, yeah, you're going to. Yeah, this is stupid. Uh, Let's see what else happened. Did you like the whole jet ski thing? Like, basically, Jimmy Kimmel went out, and it was really funny because there's all this, like, heavy things going on that you know stars are going to want to talk about with the Dreamers, with Me Too, with just all of this stuff, right? With the Oscars so white, even though we're 
two years removed from it from now, but just so many things and Trump in general. And like, he's just like, you can talk about all this and that's fine, but just know whoever's got the shortest speech, you're getting a jet ski. <laughs> and they and show, a trip like, to Lake Havasu. <laughs> yeah, they'd sweeten the pot later because the speeches are too long. But they even, when they show them, they even do the Price is Right music and it sounded like they had the announcer from the Price is Right. Like, <laughs> A new jet ski. And they did the whole like background where like they're starting. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny. And then they brought out, I think maybe it was a guy who was in charge of production design or who won production design. I don't remember, but the guy clocked in at 34 seconds. And uh, they showed at the, the last thing in the Oscars was him like on top of the jet ski riding out. <laughs> Oh, I would have, if I was him, I would have been like, I'm totally getting my fucking jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Kobe Bryant won an Oscar, which the reason why I didn't bring this up, I think it was for, uh, for it was animated short. Animated short, yeah. And I knew he was going to win. I like I, I didn't know anything about any of these movies except for Kobe Bryant played for the Lakers, and this is in L.A., and, like, he was going to win that. He just was, no matter what. You, you know? know, it's sad, like, Kobe Bryant has the same amount of Oscars as Leonardo DiCaprio. Dude, he's got more Oscars than Stanley Kubrick. That was the thing I kept oh. seeing over and over again. How fucking outraged <laughs> are you hearing that? That just pisses me right the fuck off. He's got as many as Martin Scorsese. Really? Yeah. He's got as many as Philip Seymour Hoffman. He might win more than Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> uh, I don't see him winning anymore. But he, I'm, I'm not going to bet that. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> if he makes something else, I wouldn't doubt it. Kobe's a quarter of the way to an EGOT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody was pointing out. I can't remember what they called it, but they pointed out that he's he's got his own category now. He's the only person in history who's won an MVP trophy, an MVP finals trophy, an all-star uh, MVP Oof. trophy, and an Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only person who's ever done that. That's, that is pretty impressive. You got to give it to him. But that actually led to this very magical moment. And I never saw anybody. I've read a lot of stuff talking about the Oscars. I never read one other person captivated by this by me or like I was. But he went on the stage and he's with this old man who looks like he's like five foot one and Kobe's like six foot eight. Like, yeah. So it's, he was like towering. It's over like him. a big fucking difference. And they have a microphone stand in, in between them. And it's like really low while the, the first dude goes up and he talks initially, right? And then I'm sitting there watching, and all of a sudden I see the microphone stand go. Yeah, they have like the like up to his, auto or like a, a thing they control, like. Adjust the height of the microphone. Is that what it is? Yeah. It just like captured my imagination because I was like, is there like a grip like laying on the stage, like lifting it up? Oh, I don't is know there, like, like how there, like it physically happened. Yeah, is there somebody underneath the stage who like pushes it up and is told, go, 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 stop? And a head. You see Quincy like, Jones underneath in the orchestra pit just pushing the microphone. Look, can we talk up? about Quincy Jones for a minute? Because well, I, I don't know if it was Quincy Jones that was in the orchestra. No, but can we like, talk about Quincy Jones for a minute? This has sure. nothing to do with the Oscars. Have you read the last two interviews that he gave? No. He is like 
so famous and has so many crazy stories and just doesn't give a fuck anymore. He gave this interview with Vulture and it's just like, he was talking about how like Richard Pryor was just like, like fucked Marlon Brando and fucked all these people and didn't care. And like, and was like talking about how they were both by and then uh just kind of offhanded like change the subject and just like would talk about how 9-11 was an inside job and just change the subject and the guy was trying to sort of like jump into it a little bit more and he talked about michael jack just crazy shit about michael jackson like fucking read his vulture interview like do yourself a favor anybody who's listening to this read his vulture interview it's insane like any one thing that he said, like every paragraph has something that would be clickbait. Like every single paragraph of what he said. And it's like a 4,000 word interview. But this was like two or three weeks ago. And we've just had so much show that I haven't been able to bring it up. But since you brought up Quincy Jones's name, <laughs> best interview I've ever read, dude. He's fucking crazy. He doesn't give a fuck anymore. Like it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Like, he says so many controversial things and so many, like, interesting things. It just, like, makes me happy that somebody's there who's, like, he watched, like, Duke Ellington bang broads in, like, the 50s. And now he's, like, like all the way up to now, he has opinions on Kanye and shit. <laughs> that's, like, that's, crazy. that's crazy. Right? That's crazy. He's that old. And he's fucking interesting. He's the interview of the year. Like, if I remember to do that for Biggies, he's a front runner right now for this year. <laughs> Just going to say it now. Um, one other thing I noticed about the Oscars, uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway were handing out the best picture. Again? That, yeah. That, like, that's pretty, uh, you're really rolling the dice with that one, right? <laughs> God, actually, the, the, one thing I watched because when I was watching it, um, and I've watched a few like few movies over the years, and the last, the latest incident I saw was in, uh, it was actually in the animated movie Sing, where they always have the like old lady Hollywood producer. It's got like the the head thing that's like wrapped up around her ears, right. And wearing, like, the necklace and the long dress. And I was like... And I, w I remember watching, like, seeing that trope so many times in movies over the years. And I thought, oh, that's that's just a trope. Like, that doesn't happen. And fucking Rita Moreno wore that exact outfit. <laughs> yeah. Was there I was just like, oh... That is real. <laughs> uh, can I say something else about Faye Dunaway? Um, so last night, I I had watched so that Tom Petty running down a dream that documentary I was talking about a couple months ago. Yeah, it's like a four hour documentary on Tom Petty. Fucking great from beginning to end. Um, I finally got around to watching the second part to it, so I stopped it at part two which was like two hours into it, something like that. And I watched the last two hours last night. Fucking incredible. But um, I didn't know Faye Dunaway did a video for Tom Petty. Really? 
Yeah, her and uh, Johnny Depp did a video. I'm try- I think it was a great wide open. Like it's like an eight minute video, and there's only like three and a half minutes a song. But like they have a whole story leading up to it, and then like a story that goes on the back end, and then like throughout. But Johnny Depp and Fade Dunaway just happened to be in the area, and they both love Tom Petty, so they did it. That's a fucking I knew reach, man. Tom or uh, Johnny Depp Johnny was Depp. in that. Yeah, but Fade but Dunaway I've never was watched, her like, fairy full extension, like full part of that video yeah Faye dunaway is like the uh the fairy godmother in it so but yeah that shit was interesting too i know i'm getting off on a tangent here but when they start getting into like how the traveling wilburys came together it was like i had always thought that they had just sort of hung out and then decided to do a band but that really wasn't the case they were just working on each other's shit so much that they eventually just decided to sit down and like do a thing because they all had the same thing. And remember how we were like trying to figure out exactly what Jeff Lynn did in the band? He just produced it. He didn't actually like play anything or sing anything. He just like he he produced it and did some songwriting with them. So, but anyway, I, I just uh, as as interesting to me. I got off on a tangent. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, I, I get- really quick before we get off a of fade down away. Because that was like a tangent off of Fade Dunaway. But uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I was listening to an interview with him on uh, Bill Simmons' podcast. And he was saying that one of the things he, he wanted his cousin Sal to do was uh, like he's always trying to get him to do these pranks at various things. And so when Fade Dunaway was like about to open up and read who the actor uh, or what the best picture was he wanted Sal to run on the stage and like throw like 50 envelopes onto the stage. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that would have been so funny. Oh my God. I wish that would have happened. That would have been so great. I mean, if they all have the same thing in it, you know, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> You'd probably give that poor woman a heart attack. <laughs> Yeah, it's very. I know she's an actress, but it's very key on this to not tell her that this is gonna happen. Oh yeah, you can't tell her because <laughs> the reaction would be fucking priceless. Well, it was funny because I because I remember watching it last year when they had the whole uh, mix up between uh, uh, La La Land and what was it, Moonlight? Yeah. And and I I saw it on YouTube, but it was like La La Land doesn't win, Moonlight wins, and stunning upset. And I was like, what? And I like looked at the clip, and I was like, oh my god, this is like the most just awkward like, wa- thing ever. Watching like because uh, I actually didn't watch that scene live because I like fucking heard La La Land win. And I'm like, I'm gonna. Yeah, go a lot f- of people tuned out. When I was like, happened. I'm gonna go have a fucking cigarette. I can't fucking deal with this. So I like walked out and I'm like, go have a cigarette, come back in. My wife's like, you fucking missed it. (laughs) Boy, did you. That's, I think it's safe to say that's going to be the biggest moment in Oscar history. God. Right? Crazy. Like, it's, I can't, like, I'm going through everything that's ever happened before and I can't think of anything that compares. Like, Uh, it's, it trumps. Blackface? (laughs) No, I don't think that was the biggest moment though because I think, I bet you most people have already forgotten about that. 
That was Billy Crystal yeah. dressing in blackface to do Sammy Davis Jr., which he used to always do. But Billy Crystal didn't get the memo that not only was it not really ever okay, but it definitely wasn't okay anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. Oh, the, like I would say the, the top two moments before that was like Marlon Brando having a Native American uh, woman come on stage and accept his award for him. Like that was something I always saw reference like a lot. And then the other really big moment, which I'm sure you'll remember, was like Michael Moore winning the award and just so many people booing when he was saying, uh, this is like we're living in a or we're like people who seek out truth and we're in a fictional time with a fictional president. And it was like right when we went to war with Iraq, like literally like boots were on the ground at that point. And he was talking about the Iraq war being fraudulent and like the audience was just fucking booing him. And that was a really big deal too. But that, that fucking envelope miss mishap, I really feel like that blows everything out of the water. Like I just can't imagine a moment being bigger than that other than maybe like an Oscar winning winner losing and just fucking opening fire on everybody in the stage. <laughs> like, it's the only thing I can picture like topping that at this point. And since it's America, I don't rule it out because everybody's got a gun. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else from the Oscars you want to cover or should we, I think we need to move on. All right. Let's slam that book close. All right. Uh, all right. So we were going to talk about everything sucks last week, but we ran out of time. So this is probably a good time to talk about it. You want to. So this is a show on Netflix and it, it's basically a teen drama, like young high school teen drama set in 1996. So it was like our junior year of high school. Correct. So we would have been like the age of the drama kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought the show itself was fucking terrible. <laughs> really? You didn't like it? No. But I fucking loved the music. <laughs> you like just hearing Wonderwall over and over again? <laughs> Dude, I still listen to Wonderwall often. I never had an Oasis album or song, but certainly heard it enough. But I thought the the writing was just boring and predictable yeah um i mean I really, th- there was a couple of events that happened in the show that were kind of like oh but it wasn't like anything that really stuck out how much of it did you watch did i watched watch? the entire series so it was like all eight yeah. Like it's on Netflix. There's eight episodes. For yeah, and they're season. only like half hour. Episodes. Yeah, yeah. It went quick. I was sick, and I watched it all in one chunk. Um, I enjoyed it. It, it. Like I'm not. I'm. I wasn't super blown away from it. It's not like, like it's nostalgia, but it's not Stranger Things, you know. But if you're that age, I feel like it'll tickle some kind of fancy for you because it was the time when we went to high school. I feel like Stranger Things was the time when we were sort of around their age, you know, somewhere around there. Yeah. But um, especially growing up with Spielberg movies and John Carpenter movies and shit like that. But this was something different. Like this was, 
This is almost like trying to be like my so-called life or something like that. Yeah, like, or my so-called life or Degrassi or yeah, yeah, that kind of vein. But like done in today's style, but definitely like tickling those nostalgia so that like you can get the adults. Here's the thing: on one level, I recognize that like it's a bit, it's a bit like, oh yeah, I'm gonna tell this high school story, but I'm also gonna tell it with like. We're going to set it in the past so that we can get adults to watch it with kids. Like, and I realize that, and I realize with some of the nostalgia things that they're manipulating me into being like, oh, you're going to love this. Remember that? Remember this? I remember. Uh, I remember. <laughs> yeah. But it kind of worked for me. Like, I really, okay, this is sad. I really identified with the principal character, and like, the principal has yeah, like a that's... daughter. And that like, kind of like it's sad, but like I really identify with that character. 2018, me, 2018, like Brandon really identified with. Yeah, uh, yeah, me too. And and it was it reminded me a lot of when I was thirty, right before I had kids, before I got married. But just like the sadness of like not having anybody, and like like just. The fucking despair that character, the silent despair that character is going through, and uh, the rejection and everything that he's going through, and then when he finally finds somebody, but it's fucking complicated as hell, and so like that character in particular, I could really identify with. Also, the the boy and I, it's a couple of weeks now, so I can't. And it was only four hours of show, so I can't remember any of their names. None. But uh, the kid who's the main character, like, I really liked him. I didn't identify with him at all because, like, his whole thing was all things that I didn't do in school. Like, I never made movies in school. I wish I had, but I feel like that's something that more kids today. I'm sure that there's a few kids our age who did that stuff. But I feel I like feel it, like it was it's just more, out of reach for our age because yeah, I mean video it, technology it was just wasn't there. It's the same. Like I love the Goldbergs. I watch the Goldbergs all the time. Uh, I think it's really really good, and like it's fucking it's criminal how much people don't know about that show because it's so funny and like it it just works on every level. But there's these things with the videos where, like, they edit the stuff so well. And, like, you'll see the actual videos he did. And it's like, oh, yeah, that looks right. It's a shitty VHS thing that he did. And there's, like, fucking tracking lines when you try and, like, cut, like, scenes or whatever. Because that's what we were dealing with. Fuck, do you remember the camera I had, like, right out of high school? Yeah. Yeah, I had this camera that was no joke, like, 20 pounds. And you had to plug it into a wall. Because it didn't have the battery pack because that would have been like another $500. So, like, we just had to have it near an outlet every time we plugged it in. And we'd have it at parties, but people would trip over the cord and shit all the time. God, I remember uh, back, it was 1993, and we did a school or this tangential school project with the Helena Mill School where we were... Trying to get financed uh, shrubbery and stuff to like build a fence around, like a green fence around the the park in front of the school. Oh, is this uh, the lazy the green? The lazy green, yeah. yeah. And I was one of them, like 
six or eight students, I can't remember, that were basically in charge of like doing this project. And we, uh, I mean, we sent stuff to all types of people like the Arbor Day Foundation and all sorts of different organizations across the country. Um, and part of doing that, we put together this 13 minute video. I spent probably 12, 14 hours cutting this 13 minute video. Yeah. Like videotape is a fucking bitch to work with. Oh my God. I just, I mean, you could, with today's technology, you could have it done in about 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's okay. So that, that's kind of the, the point that I, I knew we were going to get on to nostalgia stuff talking about this, which is why I was like, we cannot yeah. just touch on this last episode because I was like, it's too fertile. Yeah. Like it or not, it's too fertile to fucking talk about. I knew we weren't going to knock that out last episode. But um, like the, the problem that I have with the main character, I really like the main character, I like everything, but the video thing, which unfortunately is what defines him. But to me... That feels like it's more kids today. And that's not to say that kids have changed so much. Like every other aspect, like his personality is spot on. Like I, I identify with that. I know people like that, you know, or knew people like that growing up. I'm sure they're nothing like that now because you grow up and you mature. You get crushes and you fucking, they can't work out. And then you fucking get your heart crushed. And then you sometimes like a friendship is made out of that, but you're always looking at him like you have a crush. Basically, his deal in this show. But in terms of the movie, the problem I have with that is that like this felt like it was the YouTube generation. Yeah. And like I watch kids now and I'm like, you're so fucking lucky because we couldn't even touch anything like that. And even like so much of the stuff that they do that's on video, I'm just like, that was not happening in the 90s. Like, are you kidding? Doing a morning show, like that every single day, had a whole fucking their morning studio announcements. Yeah, it's a studio and- thing. There's no way that happened before the 2000s. Like any school, I'm just calling it out. There's no way. There's no way some school's paying for all of that videotape to do that. Dude, I don't remember if when we graduated. If there was a TV in each room. No. There, there was an AV, like, going around. There's still not a TV in every <laughs> room. Like, I'm, I'm around. I mean, you know, we have daughters at Helena High. Like, yeah. I, I'm around there enough to see, like, they still have the AV thing, like, scooting the cart. <laughs> I assume. I'm sure I it's a lot easier it, now. But... This big flat screen TV. But, like, I remember it being the big fucking oh, my God, yeah. TV you had to push around. Yeah, you know, I was on the AV club when I was in, uh, like, sixth grade. It was before I moved to Helena, and then that went away when I moved to Helena. But I did that for a year, and it was just fucking enough to where, like, you can see all the gnarls of cables that I have over there and, like, all the stuff I do for music and and recording podcasts and all that shit. That really does – I will say, if you're a parent listening to this or you're a kid – kid uh like teenager whatever listen to this if you get a chance to get an av club like do it like you will learn it will like give you 
a fucking baseline to do so many things and the way that society is moving so many more things than I can imagine right now, you know, but like it, it just gives you a fucking basic platform to do all this shit. Now, obviously you handle all that stuff fine anyway, yeah. but you, you're very mechanically inclined and you're an engineer. So there's that I'm a mechanical engineer. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, you're pretty adept at that. I don't know if you ever did AV club or anything like that. I don't know if they had an AV club. Yeah. Fuck you, Helena. <laughs> yeah, that was what I got to do for a while. Um, there was one period where we w- when I was in sixth grade, like everybody had a study hall. It was required. And uh, you, like during the study hall, you could be in the AV club if you signed up for it. So I signed up for it. And basically what I did was like not all the time, but pretty often, like a couple times a week. They'd be like, uh, we need you to come down to this room. And it's like, all right. And I'd come down and then fucking we'd set up a TV and get the tape and like put it in the VCR, fucking hook Push, it up to wheel the, the big ass yep. TV and then around, wheel the TV out and plug it in <laughs> and, and it was, get started. For those that don't, don't know or younger generation, there was a, used to be a big fucking yellow sticker on the side of those carts that said, Push on this side or it could fall over and kill you, basically. Oh, yeah. We had we did not have that sticker. <laughs> oh, I remember every card I ever pushed around had that big fucking Dude, sticker. I'm so fucking old. Uh, we had three different things that we... Well, I'm so old. You're same. You're older than me, technically, by <laughs> like four months. But uh, we had three things that we wheeled around. We wheeled around VCRs with the TVs. We reeled around or wheeled around um the uh the tape with the fucking projector the little like shot by shot yeah shot by shot projector it was like and was like what do you call it yeah um slideshow we would reel around the slideshow was it a slideshow because i remember like basically yeah because one had like a reel in it like a Film I, know what, I know what you're talking about. That's not what we had. Oh. What we had was literally slides and a fucking thing. Where oh, you like go, the carousel? Yeah. And like it would like, you would literally like press a button and you're playing. Okay. So here's what it was. There's a cassette tape. I'm not going to pretend like millennials don't know what cassette tapes are. You guys know. You guys aren't like rich enough. If most not, of you to Google like drive it. around something with like a cassette tape in it. Like you fucking know what a cassette tape is. So like you put a cassette tape in and you fucking hit play. It was a big green button and stop was a big <laughs> same symbol it's always been. Yeah. And you press play and it would play the thing and they go boop. And like you would always make sure it was on slide one when you started. I remember that. But you would have to like lay each slide in. That was why they needed an A V club. There's actually shit to do. It wasn't like when we're in high school, it was all VCRs and occasionally a Laserdisc player. So there wasn't as much to do. Back in those days, you had to actually set shit up. And then the other thing we had was a little film strip, which sometimes had a boop, sometimes didn't. But usually it was like God, you just set like- up the reels and then you would like bring it in and you would hit play and it would do the audio and stuff. Yeah. I remember and you would uh, hang out until it was done and you fucking put it back into the thing and like wheel it back. But cuz back when I was in grade school, we actually had like the the film strip and it had the boop. Yeah. 
And but <laughs> there was techno or like advanced enough. Like if it booped, it would actually like or go to the next uh, next frame. frame. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then actually we had a uh, regular like real real projection that we wheeled around. Yeah. Back yeah. that was I back in that. grade school. Yeah. I don't think that they have those anymore, right? Yeah. Like I I mean I can't say a hundred percent. Shitty movie sure. theaters don't have them anymore. <laughs> it's true. I but think I they remember, still have I still that remember one at the Loy, but they don't it doesn't seem like they really use it. Oh nobody uses that thing anymore. <laughs> no way. I know uh because when Zach was on it, he was one of the youngest people in like the projection whatever it is guilt. I bet we can tell this story now and it's not a big deal. Zach's pretty removed from the Merloy. Fucking, I'm going to tell the story. Um, so there was one night where uh, my buddy Alan Stanton came on. He was on an episode a long time ago. I'm pretty sure I dropped his name in the notes if you're curious. You can check it out on montuckyskies.blogspot.com. Listen all. Plug in the website. Yeah, finally. It's been like <laughs> 70 episodes. I don't know how many episodes we have right now. I have no idea. <laughs> it's. 360 something maybe i don't know anyway uh alan Stanton was was visiting uh he was in like half an episode i think we wound up crushing two episodes together because i think we were watching one of the big episodes of breaking bad i think it was ozzy mandez and we like recorded right before the episode and we're like we're gonna come back to it and then we were so fucking depressed after the episode that we couldn't record, so we just like did it four days later. <laughs> so we like smashed two together. But when Alan was visiting, like you and me and Zach and him went to the bar. We got fucking smashed. Oh, like we were jesters and just shit face. We closed like, that shit down. Yeah. Dude, we were there like longer than the bartenders wanted us there for sure. And then we walked out and uh Zach's is like you want to go to the Loy? <laughs> we fucking went to the Loy. And Zach gave us this awesome tour because earlier in the day, he was going to give a tour to a bunch of high school students. And they wound up not being able to make it. So he's like, do you guys want the tour? And we're like, yeah, because Alan's a big cinephile. So Zach was like, do you think you'd like that? It was so fucking nice of Zach. And I won't get into all the details because some of the details could <laughs> the devil's in the details i'll just say that <laughs> but uh i remember like going by the the projector the film projector and like zach showing us that and just being like wow because i always saw the, like you could see it from the window of, of a lot of movie theaters but i never actually saw a real like, I saw the ones at school, but not, like, a real film projector up close. It was actually a magical moment for me. As sad as that sounds, like, it was a fucking magical thing. I've never been there to, like, load up a reel of, like, a, a fucking, like, an actual movie, you know? So, like, the fact that he walked us through it and, like, fed some film in and stuff and showed us how it was done. Like, I was just, like, that was a big moment for me. But, uh... Yeah, that's a fucking rant. I, I realize like the seven other things I could tell from that night I really shouldn't tell. So. <laughs> yeah. So we'll keep that under our hats. Um, I got a movie I want to talk about. All right. So everything sucks. I'm going to say go ahead and watch it. You're going to say no? I'd say go ahead and watch it. I mean, I, I didn't oh, hate right. it, but I didn't 
I didn't think it was anything great other than the nostalgia. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I do think that it's not completely accurate to the period, but yeah. I enjoyed it. That's where I can separate myself from my old man. Like, I remember he watched uh, Dazed and Confused, and he was just like, yeah, what this wasn't like when I was in high school at all. And, like, really didn't like it, And which is weird because the guy who, um, the director. Linkletter? Yeah, Richard Linkletter. He graduated the same year as my dad. Crazy. <laughs> and that was very much based on his experiences, but whatever, like. Uh, I can still watch something I recognize it's not totally accurate and still enjoy it. So, uh, what movie did you want to review? T2 Train Spotting. Dude, that's so weird. I almost watched that on Amazon this oh. week and I didn't because my wife couldn't quite remember what happened in Train Spotting. You know, and it's I'm like, actually, you know, we really should watch it. It's before. actually worth doing a back dive on Train Spotting before you watch that movie. See, the thing is, I just watched Train Spotting like a year ago. So okay. it's, it's pretty fresh in my mind. If you have a good idea of like what, what this was the a main, me and the wife situation. Cause right? I remember, cause. I really wanted to watch that movie because I remember really loving Train Spotting, the original one. And I'm like, I remember the baby, yeah, and swimming in a toilet, and that's about it. Oh, dude, I I have rewatched that movie every six or seven years. I yeah. think it's 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 not on a total rotation, but it's like I've seen it five or six times probably. So, but so. I was like, I really want to watch the new one, but I totally got to go back and find, like, catch up with where they left that story off. Can I tell you what's interesting about the the old one, watching it as an old guy now? Uh, I used to think it was just about heroin when I was a kid. Like, a kid, like, when we were in college, when you were in college. Yeah. I wasn't in college. When I was drinking with you when you were in college. <laughs> That's a more accurate way of putting it. But uh, when I watched that before, I was like, yeah, this is a trippy drug movie. I watch it now as an adult, and I'm like, this is a movie about being young. It's like it's, it has It's about, about being young. It's about, I mean, drugs is huge in that movie. It is, but it's but not, it's like not the, what it's about. No. And really, like, the other thing that really pops up to me is – um uh I can't think how to put that like betrayal almost. Yeah. Cuz yeah, I I mean, there's a lot of betrayal in that movie yeah. actually. And the best part about uh T2 is it really like <laughs> you cannot? I know it says T two transplant. You cannot call it T two. Every time you see that, I'm thinking like I'll be back. Like, you cannot call it T two. Anyway, the best thing about T two um, is it doesn't have a lot of the like trippy drug stuff that you like. Oh, I remember the dead baby crawling across the ceiling. Shit. That is like the moment you can point to everybody if they're not sure if they've seen it or not. You're like, dead baby crawling across the ceiling while somebody's on heroin withdrawals. And you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, seen that, that one. That scene sticks with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it doesn't have a, any, like, 
much of that, but it really hit like it's a really great character driven story. Cause you know, these pe- people that were young and they're basically going through like mid, well, with their lifestyle, end of life crisis. Right. <laughs> Cause they're in their forties. So that's, yeah, they're like 45, 46. Yeah. They were always like a couple years ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like 45 ish. And so, I mean, they're, uh, Spud is going through rehab. Um, and so, I mean, it's just really interesting seeing these characters 20 years removed from this young, vibrant lifestyle. Yeah. And I'd imagine it's pretty sad. When you're like when you're like that, and then you're older, <sighs> it's got to be sad. I I got to picture if they haven't extracted themselves from that. They have, I mean, like Bigby. Uh, God, what's it? What's his name? Character? Uh, Robert Carlyle. His character had basically been in prison since the last movie, so has not matured. I'm sure. No. Yeah. And just as that fucking like right crazy violent as yeah, he that was guy, in the that first guy movie. was fucking like had a screw loose for sure. Yeah. You and McGregor, I'm care what where's he at? Did he like kind of mature? So at the end of the first movie, he absconded with all the money. Yes. With the exception of what he paid or gave to uh Spud. And I'm sure he pissed it all away. Uh basically he moved to Amsterdam, got married. Um, and I won't give too much away. I like, appreciate that. Like, you know, I was going to go to that movie in the Myrna Loy and my wife didn't like, <clears throat> I had one showing I could have gone to and my wife just could not remember train spotting. And I was like, ow, oh, all right, we got to watch it. Uh, and I realized I wasn't going to get to see yeah, it. If you get a chance, totally watch. Oh it yeah. It's, it's on Amazon great. prime right now. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, so great. Show. Yeah. Um, and it's just a great, um, a great like character study. Um, plus, you'll love the fucking music. Yeah, who does the music? Well, I mean, it's a lot of the same like London. It has a lot of London underground, but there's like this huge rave scene set to uh, Radio Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> Because they're old now. <laughs> it's fucking great. That's all right. Here's a weird little tidbit. That is the only number one hit that Roger Taylor wrote, who's a drummer for Queen. All four members wrote. That's fucking crazy. Let that sink yeah. in for a second. All four members wrote number one hits. Roger Taylor wrote the least of Queen's hits. He wrote one number one hit, Radio Gaga. John Deacon wrote two songs. You know what they were? That's her bass player, by the way. Yeah. Another one bites the dust. You're my best friend. So fucking songs you hear all the time. Two songs, but they're like a big two songs. And then like Freddie Mercury and Brian may have too many to list off. Like a lot of number one hits. But yeah, anyway, like I think the Beatles is probably the only other group that every member wrote a number one hit. Right? What did Ringo write that was a number Octopus's one Octopus's Garden? Was that a number one? 
I wanna be under the sea in an octopus's garden. Is that a number shape? one? I don't know. I don't think it's a number one. It's not on my number one CD. Oh, that's right. They have that 17 CD, huh? Where it's like all the num or no, it's called one. It's or called whatever. one. Yeah, but 17 hits. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let's find out. Let's ask Google. Maybe Google won't let us down like with the emergency shelters. Because this is important. All right. Hey, Google. What is the highest charting hit of Ringo Starr? All right. It doesn't say, but... Hold on. It's an article here. So I'm looking into it. Got to find out how Ringo did. Oh, douchiest picture of Ringo via 1970 on the cover. Let's see here. Your 16 hit number one, but that was 74. That's post Beatles. Is this all Ringo Starr's? Yeah, I think this is all Ringo Starr's solo stuff. All right, let me go back. What is the biggest Ringo Starr song with the Beatles? Uh, not looking. I'm looking through his uh, timeline here, and it's... Photographed by Ringo Starr. Okay, let's see. So this is photograph. It's not going to sound great, but, you know, whatever. I'm not going to hook up the mixer. I recognize the tune. This doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Really? No. <laughs> okay. So, how high did that chart? This is a, this is a night of tangents, dude. How high did Photograph by the Beatles chart? Oh, God damn it. It was a Ringo Starr solo song. How many songs did Ringo Starr write for the Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> all right okay hold on so how high did don't pass me by chart i'm sure this is fucking enthralling for people <laughs> let's see here this is way too much history on this song beatles fans you're fucking up there's too much minutiae i just need a simple question answered all right, you know what? I'm giving up on this, but it's not on the number one, so I think you're right. Queen might be the only one with like every member having a hit. We'll just go with that. Like, unless you count duos, maybe. That's uh, <laughs> way too complicated. Wait, what about Traveling Wilburys? <laughs> <laughs> they all had hits, right? Roy Orbison had a bunch of hits. Uh, with the exception of the drummer. Yeah, he was a great yeah. like he was a awesome session musician, but I don't know if he wrote anything. I don't think he's an official Wilbury. It depends on like how you put that, but Yeah, I think if you're a session musician, you're a session musician. <laughs> like you're there for the session and then you're out. <laughs> oh, that was some okay. Fuck it. We're going long. Uh we're gonna talk about Jessica Jones season two next week. I'll just throw that out there. 
Um, what else are we missing here? I, I do like Jessica Jones season two. Fuck it. I'll just say this really quick. Uh, season two, like good continuation of the first one. It's exactly what I want. Like, it's just more of the same from the first season. Good. Like, I, I really like Jessica Jones. So I'm happy that it's still firing on all cylinders. John Favreau gonna, he's gonna do a live action Star Wars show. All right. Does that interest you at all? Yep. Yeah, me too. Um, a lot of people are getting kind of upset about it because they announced it on Women's Day. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable. Bad timing on that. You fucked up Disney, but uh, John Favreau, man, he did Iron Man. Like He's he Iron knows man, how. Man. Yeah, he knows how to start a franchise. And he was in Swingers. He also did that really bad show where the power went out, and that concerns me a bit too. <laughs> but which show? I don't remember the name of it. I, I remember it had the power button symbol with the show, but I can't remember what it's called. It wasn't great, but it had the dude who played Gus from Breaking Bad. Like as soon as he died off from Breaking Bad, he went to the show. Um. Anyway, uh oh, and one other thing: David Chase gonna executive produce a fucking Sopranos prequel. I'm excited about this. Not a show. He's making a movie. And I think it's no, he hasn't said very much about it except for it's, uh, covers during the New York riots when a bunch of members of the Italian mob and the African mob went at each other. And so it's going to be called the many saints of Newark. And I think that's going to be interesting because from the time period, it's probably going to cover Tony's dad, uh, uncle junior, and uh, Lydia, like Tony's mom. And those are all very interesting characters to me. So I'm fucking, I'm happy I'm getting Sopranos in any form. <laughs> Let me just be clear on that. But what were we just talking about? Which tangent were we talking about going up to here? Went from Ringo Starr to the Traveling Wilburys to Session Musicians to... I had a 12-hour day at work today. You're <laughs> making me think. <laughs> That was trying to rush through everything else so that we could get back to it. And I'm looking at my notes, and that doesn't help because everything sucks is the only thing I have before that when we went off on a fucking major tangent. Oh, let's see. We were talking about train spotting. Oh, you're going way too far back. Oh, God. <laughs> we were talking about charting, maybe. Oh, Ringo Starr. Yeah, I was past that. <laughs> Wow. Wasn't it? This has got to be really enthralling for our listeners. <laughs> hey, we've had a couple Guinnesses. You got to back off us, guys. All right. Okay. We're an hour 20. Maybe it's a good place to quit. I think it's a good time. All right. Unless you can think of what it was. It was that hit song, Respect the Outro. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I won't respect it. I won't. I'm going to keep not respecting the respect of the outro. All right, I'll respect it. Good for you. Oh, you didn't respect <laughs> it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.